How do you become an overnight success and have your products land on Oprah's favorites list? Well, it's easy. Just spend 50 years observing dogs and 30 years carefully building your skill and talent. Hello, I'm James Jacobson. Welcome to The Long Leash. Today on The Long Leash, we speak with Angela Medlin. She is a design expert who has designed products and directed creatives at brands like Nike and Adidas and Levi Strauss and the North Face. But this self-described closet entrepreneur always had side hustles. And in 2017, her dog, Wooby, inspired her to start House Dog, a collection of thoughtfully designed, sustainable, safe products for dogs and their people. Today on The Long Leash, Angela Medlin joins us for a deep dive into the mindset behind her quote-unquote overnight success in her new business. She shares how taking Oprah Winfrey's advice to be authentic to herself and to use her intuition guides her steps and helped her at every step in her career and to eventually draw the attention of Oprah's favorite things. Angela Medlin. Angela Medlin, thank you so much for being with us today. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) So you make dog toys. I do. What's in the design of a dog toy? Because you have totally thought this through in the most wonderful way. And I think we take them for granted as we just, you know, pick something up at the pet store and like toss it at the dog and, and don't give it a lot of consideration. But you have given it a lot of consideration. I have. You know, I have a lot of experience with dogs. I grew up with dogs. So I, I literally have over 50 years of experience of just having a dog in the home and, you know, playing fetch and tug of war. So I basically use that experience to design something that is, you know, non-toxic and good for the environment and the dog and the whole, as well as, you know, it's great for people. What's interesting is it's not just that you have a lot of experience loving dogs, because pretty much everyone on our show does, but you have a lot (laughs) of experience in the textile manufacturing Mm -hmm. design space, and that's what you bring to bear with your toys. Yeah, 30 years of experience of designing innovative uh, sustainable outdoor and athletic apparel for companies like Nike, Adidas, the North Face, Levi Strauss and Company. So I've seen it all. I've done it all. <laughs> and after 30 years, I decided to apply that experience to a different type of product. And um, funny enough, you know, I didn't get away from people. I still have to consider people in this scenario. <laughs> so I'm calling it the six-legged consumer. Ooh. So that I'm I'm thinking about the dog, but I'm also, I understand that it's through the eyes of the person. And it's it's been a really fun experience creating, you know, something that's beautiful, but minimal. So it's everything you need and nothing you don't. It reminds me of uh, Abraham Lincoln, I think, who said, you know, if I had more time, I would have written a shorter letter. So <laughs> it's all the thought that comes into condensing and, and consolidating it into something that is its bare essence. And that, describe your toys for us. So the house dog toys, I have two different materials that I use. One is merino wool with cotton rope, and the other is vegetable tanned leather 
with cotton rope. They are really simple shapes. You know, they're big enough for small and larger dogs to carry around and, you know, play a good game of tug of war with each other or with their person. And, you know, I wanted to minimize the materials and just focus on the aesthetic and, you know, the fun for the dog. I mean, again, so you're in this giant, like, you know, multi-billion dollar industry of pet toys, dog toys. And so much of the stuff that you see in the stores and on the internet is stuff that is made at the the least expensive price that is, you know, going to be wearable and not toxic to your dog. But that's not the market that you're going after. Right. Well, I mean, first of all, if you have a dog, you probably feel like they're your family member mm-hmm. and you care about your family member's well-being. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't want to design another disposable toy that was made out of, you know, random, inexpensive materials. I wanted to create something that, you know, you feel good about bringing home to your family. So that was the number one reason I decided to do what I'm doing around toys. But as as far as the direction I took around product, I want to address the needs of both dogs and humans living in the same space. Hmm. And so as the brand evolves, you'll see more product that addresses those essential needs in every room of the house. Ah, okay. So this is the six, again, the six legged customer that you're going after. Yes. So right now we're just seeing the beginning of it with these, but you've been doing this for a few years now. I've been doing this for four years, which is a short lifespan in the, the life of businesses. Uh, but a lot has happened in four years that I'm extremely proud of. <laughs> well, yeah, let's talk about some of that. What are some of the, the highlights that have gotten you to where you are so quickly in four years? The biggest highlight was landing on Oprah's favorite things list in 2020. <laughs> That'll do it, right? How did that come to be? Oh, wow. Um, you know, I I don't know. <laughs> oh, no, don't be humble. Like, I, I just don't know. I mean, you must have done a little something. Well, I mean, you know, I think I'll just say that when you're on the right path, the universe conspires to support you. Well, I think Oprah even says that a lot. You know, <laughs> exactly. uh, luck is opportunity versus, yeah, exactly. uh, meeting uh, preparation. So you were prepared, but there was a little bit of something that you must have done. Walk us through that, like. Because it's just you and me. If you were just to get, and a few <laughs> listeners, uh, if you were to give some advice to someone who would like to have their product, their baby, you know, be picked up and, and liked and appreciated and supported by Oprah, what would you do? Um, I think it goes back to the fact that you just quoted Oprah. I, there was a quote that she had in a magazine years ago. For some reason, I stuck that quote on my wall and it said something about doing the thing that is authentic to you. Mm. And so that's where I would start is just do the thing that is authentic to you, that you love. Um, There's passion and purpose. And that's how I started. And so everything I did, I believed in. And I started sharing that out to, you know, Oprah's people, magazines, the pet industry in general. And, you know, they, they liked what they saw and, One day I was, actually, I was at New York Now and Oprah's team walked up. They were the first. What is New York Now? 
New York now is a wholesale trade show okay. that happens once or twice a year yeah. at the Javits Center in Manhattan. Okay. So you were, you were there trying to get like uh, pet stores and, and distributors to pick up your line. Actually, this is a home um, interior and design object show. And so I was not focused on the pet industry. I was thinking more about the home. You had a booth? I had a booth. It was my first trade show for House Dog. Okay. And so I wanted to go to a different environment to present how this would work in the home. So you just you decided, like, I'm not going to go to the big pet expos or whatever. Yes. I'm going to stay in New York, which is where you are, right? Mm-hmm. And focus on the home decor uh, buyers. And these are people who are selling pillows and vases and yes. all sorts of stuff. Yes, I, I absolutely believe you have to meet your customer where they are. And that's where I wanted to be. So <laughs> that's where I decided to start. So when everyone's zigging, you're, you kind of zagged and you're like, no, dogs are a part of the home. And so yes. you rethought it, which is kind of in the name of the company. Um, <laughs> exactly. Okay. So you're, you're at your booth. You're talking to all these potential customers who are, who I guess work for home furniture stores and, and that kind of chain. And someone from Oprah comes up. What, how does that go? So the doors opened at 9 a.m. And, you know, I was at my booth. I was a little nervous. You know, I've never done this before, hoping that someone got my invitation and would come by to see what I'm doing. Um, And at 9.05, the Oprah team walked up. So that means that, and again, we got to set the stage for folks who have not been in the Javits Center, (laughs) one of these trade shows. Big trade show floor. You probably were not the first booth in the hall. They had to have planned to come all the way made a beeline to your booth, right? That was what I suspected. And I could not believe that it actually <laughs> happened. But yes, they were their first thing. And, you know, it was quick and, you know, really fast conversation about what I what I do, what I stand for, where I want the brand to go. They looked at all the product, they made some notes, and then they said, thank you and goodbye. <laughs> did, they, did they give you a business card? They said, I'll reach out to you. Don't call us. We'll call you. Yeah, I'll reach out to you. And I, I was like, okay, I don't know if that's industry speak or, you know, does it does he mean that he's going to reach out to me for real? <laughs> yeah. But I was just so like excited that that was my first, very first experience at the trade show. Like it just set the, <laughs> the scene for me. It was a good omen. You must have felt like, okay, now the next guy who comes back, you know, comes by, like, it's okay. You know. I could have gone home after that. I was <laughs> I'm 9.05, I can pack up my booth. I'm, I'm good. I'm good to go. But yeah, he, um, you know, I guess he just, he watched the growth of the brand and the team reached out to me for other things, you know, around what they were putting into the magazine for different features. And then the following year, I think maybe a year and a half, I was invited to be on Oprah's favorite things. Ah, so. <laughs> so so you had communication over that year and a half. Were you mm-hmm. feeling a little frustrated? Like, come on, just do something. Fe- feature. No, I, I, I felt really good about what I was doing and the pace that things were happening. And so, you know, the Oprah's favorite things list is nothing to play with. Like you want to be prepared for everything that comes and everything you have to do to get that up and going. I wanted to be ready for that opportunity. And so when it happened, it was the the right time. It was the perfect time for it all to come together. 
So no, I, w- I wasn't worried. I wasn't stressed. I wasn't reaching out to anyone constantly. It was, it was very natural, gradual <laughs> okay. invitation. Yeah. So it's not like what the next day you, you, you got on it and you had to like produce a million units. Right. And I mean, right. their team wants you to be prepared to, they're not trying to set someone up to fail. So. <laughs> right. Surprise. <laughs> You win a car, you win a... So (laughs) what was the process that you went through to be prepared to receive that onslaught of publicity and and sales? I really needed to understand my offering. You know, what am I wanting to put into the world and also kind of narrow in my supply chain, like to make sure that if I did receive something like this, that I was ready and they were ready. To produce. And so that was what I, I spent time working on. It's just creating new product that I felt that I could handle at this stage in my business life, the mm-hmm. entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. I mean, that's that's all you can do, right? You just you just keep building and learning until you get to that place. And was this your first independent business? You know, that's a good question. I I've been an apparel designer in corporate for over 30 years, but for all of those 30 years, I always had something happening on the side. Mm. (laughs) That was my own thing. A side gig. So I think I was a closet entrepreneur and I just didn't know it. (laughs) But when you're working at the big companies, you never really had to think about suppliers and supply chain and like capital and all that. Oh, most definitely. I I always tell people the 30 years that I spent in the industry and I had learned all of that just because, first of all, I like learning, but it also made me a better designer. Mm. All of that prepared me for what I'm doing now. That was my education for being an entrepreneur. Can you elaborate on some of those lessons that you learned early when you were working for the boss and then that you've applied to House Dog? Oh, yeah. I mean, like uh, best practices for sure you know, how you interact with people in general, Mm. you know, what makes a leader, the big one around my product, sustainability. What does sustainability mean when you're designing product or as a company? What does it mean socially? What does it mean economically? So yeah, I had to understand concept to completion, you know, how things came together from, you know, the materials you choose, to the amount of stitches <laughs> that go into the product, to timelines and calendars and relationships with factories. Yeah, that's a lot of information. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about some of that, that culture that you built into the company and the impulse to make something that is, um, I won't say over-designed because it's not over-designed, but it's over-designed when you start looking into the genesis, the story of it. The objects that you sell are simplistic and elegant and and almost minimalist in their appearance. But so much thought and energy has gone into creating this minimalism. And that really is striking to me. And I'm getting a sense that that's maybe why the people at, at Oprah thought, hey, this is something worthy of promotion. But that comes back to who you are as a person, Angela, because you are obviously able to There seems to be a lot of depth there that can create something as simple as the products that you have. It's thoughtful design. Hmm. The way that I like to get to the product is to use consumer insights 
And in this case, I was one of the consumers, right? And I'll just use this as just one example. One of my favorite things is hoodies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's my my uniform, especially the last two years. (laughs) But not just any hoodie. Like, I want the oversized hoodie that has some style to it. It's still flattering on me. I can dress it up. I can dress it down. And it feels like a giant hug. So it was all about comfort and style. Mm-hmm. And then I started to think about dogs. And I'm like, well, they like comfort. <laughs> Why not do it for dogs? And think about how it fits on their body and how it, you know, when they're laying down and, you know, their movement. How do you need to shape the garment when they're going to do their business so that it's not in the way, mm-hmm. you know? That's a big Things, one. <laughs> so just thoughtful in that way. But number one is not to compromise those things because it's a dog versus a human. And so the quality is considered for both. Okay. So you design this as if it were for a human. Yeah. Nothing's compromised. Okay. What are some of the no compromise things that, that you say, you know, I will not cross the line on this. I will not compromise on this. Um, I definitely do not want to design toxic product. Mm -hmm. So I'm really thoughtful about um, what goes into the materials. I definitely don't want to design uncomfortable products. So I'm always thinking about fit. And then as far as, you know, aesthetic, like it's very, like I like to keep my colors solid so far. Because I want the customer to be able to add to that and do their part in merchandising their own um, environment and own apparel. Um, So I choose beautiful colors that, you know, anyone would like. And it just makes it easy for someone to see themselves or see their dog in the product. Talk a little bit about this concept of the six-legged consumer. I really like that. Mm. So the six-legged consumer. So what I... In my experience, um, observing my own dog at home and for every dog that I had in my life as an adult and every home that I lived in, I had to consider their needs mm-hmm. before I figured out a lot of other things, you know, wherever I was uh, relocating for a new job or whatever. And what I found was <laughs> something just as basic as if you have a white dog, you probably want to get a light colored couch, you know, if you allow your dog on the couch. And Mm -hmm. I did. (laughs) And so I had a black dog for a long time and my couch was very dark. And, (laughs) you know, so those things. And then I always wore black to to work. That was just my aesthetic. That's your brand. Yeah, That was my brand. And my dog was white. So how was I going to manage that? So we had our our dance every morning around (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, you know, a lot of lint, a lot of lint rollers. <laughs> <laughs> I just called it gray Heather. I just, you know, I was uh, like, yeah, I'm wearing gray Heather today, but just choosing even for myself, like choosing materials that don't hold on to dog hair. Mm-hmm. If he's sleeping on the bed, like, am I going to put down something that's waterproof or stain proof? Um, same thing for the bathroom. Like, what do I need to give my dog a bath in the bathtub? Like, I need to protect myself because we all know once they're done with the bath, they're getting ready to do the shape, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So just considering what the dog needs, what do I need for their well-being? And then how do I 
also include the human in that experience. Yeah, even down to leashes and collars, I have vegetable tan leather dog collars. They're lined in merino wool. Mm -hmm. And so that's to give comfort to the dog. But also the leash is lined with merino wool to go around the the person's wrist so that they get comfort also. That makes sense because those aesthetics that are comfortable to the dog person uh, as well as the dog. I love that. I know that you, in terms of the way you have set up the company, that's kind of a little unique as well. In what respect? Well, in terms of your team that you work with Hmm. and in terms of your giving back, a percentage of sales are given to nonprofits, right? Yes. So I am a Jane of all trades. I wear a lot of hats. And in the four years that, you know, I've been doing house dog, I've been that person for every part of the business. But I've also had someone who I contracted, um, a young lady who graduated from the University of Oregon in design, and her focus was pet product design. And so she's been helping me with production on the things that I can't handle and so that I can actually grow the business. So yeah, we've been tag teaming it for a couple of years now. But all of that is so that I don't have to put money where that would take away from me giving back to the dog rescues because that's important to me also is to be able to do that. So a percentage of your sales go to dog rescues. Mm -hmm. I have two local rescues that I support uh, regularly. Also, I, I feel like, you know, house dog is an opportunity to introduce different career opportunities to BIPOC creatives that probably did not see themselves doing anything in this space. And so um, along with giving back, you know, monetarily, I'm also wanting to bring in the future innovators Mm. and mentor them and show them a different industry that they could also be a part of. And how are you doing that? So when I left the industry, the reason I started House Dog and another program called FaZe, the Functional Apparel and Accessories Studio, FaZe is the acronym. Mm-hmm. The reason I started those two things at the same time is because I told myself I would not do anything that did not have passion or purpose. Mm-hmm. So part of my purpose was to create this beautiful brand that, you know, gives dogs and people what they need in a sustainable way. But also my purpose is to bring up the next generation of designers and give them the opportunities that I didn't have or build on what I did accomplish, but have them start at a much higher level with a much better understanding. And, you know, it's been great. FaZe has been supported by a lot of the brands that I actually designed for, you know, just educating BIPOC creatives on what it takes to be a designer in the industry and, you know, changing the fact that there's less than 1% uh, people of color in the design industry. So I'm really grateful that that came together at the same time as House Dog, and it's growing. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, I want to go dive deep into that in terms of, of how your career early on and you decided to get into this in an area where there are not a lot of African-American women in. We'll be right back. And now, a message from your dog. 
Every day with you is like a day at the beach, and I want as many beach days as possible. I want to run and sniff and find a good stick to carry. I want to walk with you, run with you, sleep with you, eat with you. And when I eat with you, I want Everpup. It infuses any food you give me with health and life and vibrancy. I can feel it. It's a strange thing to do, sprinkle this powder on my food, but I wouldn't have it any other way. My time with you is precious and irreplaceable, and I'm thrilled to be with you for as long as possible. Here's to puppy playtime and senior snoozes. <laughs> no matter how old I get, I want my ever pup. It just makes me feel good in this life and the next and the next and the next. I am so grateful to be your dog and for the ever pup you give me. So now that you know what your dog wants, get Everpup, the ultimate dog supplement. Everpup is available in select pet shops and on Amazon. But to get the best price possible, join the Everpup Club at everpupclub.com, where you'll get your first jar for just $8 with free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Go to everpupclub.com and use the discount code DPN. That is everpupclub.com. Everpup, every day. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are back with Angela Medlin. Angela, let's go deeper a little bit about your experience as an African-American woman designer, because you said they're not a lot, and especially when you started. Right. So I graduated from the College of Design. Well, it's now the College of Design at NC State University, and it's an amazing college to be a part of. And when I got in, I could probably count the amount of people of creatives of color on one hand. Hmm. It was a very lonely experience when it came to that. However, I did have a few, like two or three really great mentors of color who were professors at the school. And they helped me and guided me through my education. But I did feel that in the industry as well. Like that being one of the only was pretty consistent throughout most of my career. And, you know, we're having a lot of conversations around what that felt like and looked like in recent years. Mm -hmm. Like people are getting a better understanding of, you know, 
I've, I've had a lot of questions around my experience in this space in the last couple of years. So I bet you have. So, so yeah. I mean, earlier you said, I've been with a dog for 50 years, so I don't want to reveal <laughs> too much. You know, so you've, what year did you graduate from school? I graduated in 91 and okay. I'm okay with telling my age. Okay. Wait, how old are I? Will be, I'm I'm 53. <laughs> okay. so. I did the same thing. I'm like, I was born in 1964. So yeah, you know. I don't know. I don't know. And so especially, to be 54. Especially in the time that we're living in, it's like, what's a year? What's a month? What's <laughs> it's all like You know, numbers. after the, the big milestones, you just kind of start forgetting how old you are. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's all about how you feel, right? Exactly. So, okay. So, so you graduated in 91 and you said it was just a handful of people of color or women of color? People of color. Of people in color. And even less women of color. Okay. So, yeah. and people are interested in that now, but when you were deciding to not only do this, how did you get your first job? Oh man, again, the universe. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm a problem solver. I always have been, mm-hmm. you know, from an early start, I knew that I was just a creative and I knew I was going to do something creative in my life. I just did not know what that was. Um, I grew up in a small town, so... Are you from North Carolina? I'm from North Carolina. Yes, small town, USA. (laughs) Um, And what I knew, I learned in that small space. But when I went to college, and I was one of the first in my family to go to college, that was where I started to learn what those opportunities were. I just did not see a lot of people who look like me in that Hmm. space. So a lot of it, it required me to be curious and just dig in and, and learn as much as I could in every direction mm-hmm. and try things on. And that's what I did. And so I had multiple disciplinaries within the school of design that I had been working on for 40 years. And that gave me the opportunity. I didn't know it at the time, but it gave me the opportunity to go in any direction I wanted to go after I graduated. Interesting. Okay. So where did you go? So I immediately after I graduated, you know, it wasn't as quick getting that first job as I wanted it to be. (laughs) Um, So I spent a year uh, working on my portfolio and just networking and sending out physical hard copy portfolios specific to whatever design industry I was looking at at the time. So you would create a different portfolio based on the company you were going Targeting. Exactly. Yeah. And and most of the time I didn't know what I was doing, but um, <laughs> somebody saw the value in what I was sending out. I mean, I sent out portfolios to architect firms, uh, to <laughs> advertising agencies, you know, apparel brands. And, you know, one apparel brand that I did send it out to um, was Cross Colors, which was a very, it was trending hard in the mid nineties. It was a small denim company that had, you know, came onto the scene and it was taking over the Levi Strauss business. It was, I think it was a $90 million company the first year. Wow. I might be wrong about that, but I want to say it was really up there in that, in those numbers. So every, like all the celebrities were wearing the product. And so I really wanted to be there. And funny enough, Someone who received my portfolio at Adidas knew someone at Cross Colors and, okay, they were faxing my stuff. <laughs> faxing. What's that? What, what is that thing? Yeah. <laughs> right. What, what is a fax? They faxed my 
my portfolio, pages from my portfolio to someone at Cross Colors. And that was how that relationship started, at least on the outside. I had to work to get to the inside and talk to the the person who eventually hired me, which took some creative maneuvering on my part. (laughs) Oh, I think these are really interesting examples. You say you are a problem solver. So what was the creative manipulating (laughs) that you did to get in? Um, And I should start by saying that the person who hired me is one of my closest friends to this day. (laughs) He couldn't get rid of me. So I would call. I knew they had my portfolio. I would call every single day. Wait, you faxing and calling? What? What is this technology? I know, yeah. from a landline. Yeah. Did it have a coily cord and everything? It had yeah. a coily cord and probably yeah. had some, yeah. <laughs> I, I would call their receptionist every day and ask for the person who had my portfolio, who was the mm-hmm. VP of Cross Colors at that time. Mm-hmm. And they would always tell me, oh, he's, he's busy, he's not available. And then finally, it's probably over 10 times, I got smart enough to say, he's expecting my call. (laughs) Which is true at that point, right? She calls every day. They said, okay. And so they put him on the phone and he was just cracking up. (laughs) He was laughing so hard. He's like, you're persistent. (laughs) And I said, I am. So in, you know, the next week he flew me out to interview and, you know, Right before that, though, I had I didn't want to go home to my small town, but I actually had to like throw in the towel and go home to my mom. And I remember her saying, you know, you're doing all the work. It's going to happen. And when it happens, it's all going to happen at one time and you're going to have all these options. And, you know, she was saying the things that moms should say. And, you know, I took that deep breath and was like, okay. And sure enough, not only did cross colors call, but Adidas called and, you know, <laughs> they, it happened all at the same time. Adidas flew me to New Jersey to work with them. And while I was there, cross colors called Adidas to speak to me, to fly me to California after I left there. So I literally got off. I flew to one place, came back, washed my clothes and got back on the plane. I was not going to let this opportunity get away. <laughs> so that's how it all started. And you've been doing that throughout your career. I have been intuitively moving in the direction of the opportunities that were authentic for me. And I think that's part of my success in the industry and part of my success of what I'm doing now. How do you tap into that intuition? You know, trust your body. If it feels right, it's probably okay to move forward. But if you have any kind of, they say trust your gut, like my gut really does (laughs) tell me the truth. So if it doesn't feel right, I just don't move forward. And it's all about timing too, you know? I've heard people call it a full body yes. When you ask yourself, you're like, yes. That is one of my favorite things. If it is not a yes, if it is not an automatic yes, it is a no or not yet. (laughs) And so I'm always waiting for that resounding yes. But how do you weigh that full body yes versus the natural hesitancy that we all kind of feel a little like? I don't know if this is going to work. <laughs> so when I'm problem solving in that space, I, I keep asking questions. Hmm. Like I try to get to the root of what I'm feeling. Like if I'm creating a product and it's not clicking for me and not, everything is not falling into place, 
then I'm, I'm like, it's not baked yet. It's not done yet. And I just keep working with it until I get to that, that space where I'm like, this is it. Like, it has to be like, this is it. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, I don't want to force anything. We all know how old I am now. I've had experiences where I went against that and it didn't work in my favor. So I learned my lesson. <laughs> Got it. So in what ways do dogs and your love of dogs help you connect with that sense of intuition and that sense of knowing in, in, in which direction you want to go next? I mean, dogs are super intuitive. Like, you know, you can watch a dog and know if the person who walked in the room should be there or not. Hmm. Right. They're very good judges of character. Exactly. And, you know, I, that worked well for me in my dating life. If my dog didn't like you, <laughs> you probably weren't right for me. <laughs> it turned out to be true a few times. <laughs> but I, I feel like I learned habits from my dog. Oh. Like I, I know that my dog would sleep in a corner so he could see all areas of the room or the space that he was in. <laughs> I'm like, that just makes sense. <laughs> so when I'm on my laptop, I want to I wanna be able to sit in a space where I can see everything that's going on <laughs> because I'm concentrating. Back, back to the corner. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me about Wooby. Wooby. Wooby was an old soul. He's like this round little old man. But he's a dog. Help, help us. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So he's a, yeah he Wooby was, was a dog. He was a dog. Wooby was a dog. Um, he just had an old soul and I would just observe him some days. Um, he was all white and he had this perfect round brown spot or it's kind of oval spot on his back. I called him my, my Zen dog. Ooh. And you kind of see the woobby spot throughout the, the house dog brand on different things. But I would just observe him owning the home space. You know, if someone came to visit it was like he was showing them around, like he wanted to show them his couch. He can't sit on his couch, but he wanted to like show them that this is my space. This is where I sleep. This is, you know, and I'm pretty sure I put some of myself on that, like, you know, making up stories around him. But it actually helped me to design the things that I'm designing now. So Wooby passed away recently. Wooby passed away a couple of years ago from the FOMA. Which is another reason why I design what I design. I want to be a part of positive change and creating product that is, you know, it's it's taking care of family or the well-being of our dogs and people. Hmm. So I didn't want to produce anything that would contribute to possibly causing cancer. Hmm. Um, so that's why I'm very thoughtful about materials and and what I'm I'm putting out into the world. I mean, cancer is the number one killer of dogs. We don't know all the causes of it, but certainly environmental causes are an impact to, to the likelihood of your dog getting cancer. Yeah, it, there are so many people, the majority of their pets, they've lost to cancer. Mm. And research has shown that it was, well, I'll say research has shown that BPA, PVC, and phylates contribute to cancer. Mm -hmm. And if we know that, then why not create product that does not have that in it? Right. And Merino wool does not have that in it. Right. And, and, yeah. Yeah. So I'm very considerate about that. You know, it's unfortunate that we can't live a hundred percent sustainable life, mm -hmm. but I think we can make choices 
to work towards that and to limit, you know, how much of that we're bringing into our space. And so that's what House Dog is working towards. And yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll get there. So what is next for you and House Dog, Angela? Well, going to my next trade show in New York called Shop Object. And again, it's a design object show with like small entrepreneurs, small businesses, and a lot of creatives. Again, it's, it's not the usual space that you will find dog product, but I think it's the perfect space for house dog. So that's, that's that because I want to expand the business and include more wholesale so that you guys can see more product out in your favorite retail spaces. I just finished the Target Accelerator called Forward Founders. As in Target, Target, this Target, 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 yes, Target, Target, Target. <laughs> Target, <laughs> yes, which was a really big deal, mm. you know, being supported by an organization that size and that respected, you know, it goes a long way. So I'm taking that experience and the opportunities to network and be mentored by the professionals who are connected to Target to expand the brand. So I'm working on that. I'm continuing to mentor and educate. BIPOC creatives with the help of global brands that are supporting the educational platform that I created. So that's exciting. You have a lot on your plate and uh, I can certainly see why you've had so much success and wish you a lot more continued success for, for House Dog. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this. I so enjoyed speaking with Angela for a number of reasons, and I hope you enjoyed this episode as well. If you did, I hope you will do me and Angela and everyone else who works here at Dog Podcast Network a favor. Please tell your dog-loving friends about The Long Leash. It really helps us grow our podcast so we can have more listeners around the world. You can find our entire back catalog of shows at this website, longleashshow.com. That is longleashshow.com, and you can tune into any of our past episodes. Please tell some friends about it. Well, that is all for today. I want to thank you for hitting the play button and spending some time with us. Until next time, I'm James Jacobson. On behalf of everyone here at Dog Podcast Network, I'd like to wish you and your dog a very warm aloha. Is artificial intelligence going to change veterinary medicine? Well, it already has. Right now, on Dog Cancer Answers, we're speaking with Dr. Kelly Deal of Morris Animal Foundation about how AI is impacting veterinary research and the practice of medicine itself. That's on Dog Cancer Answers. Get it wherever you get your podcasts or at dogcancer.com slash podcast.